Every single believer should be looking forward to and hastening the day of the Lord when we get to be with Jesus. But the Bible is very clear that there is a timeline going on there. In fact, there are plenty of things that still have yet to happen, but there are certain events that have happened, and the Lord certainly isn't coming back before they have, because the Bible is true because it is the Word of God. So I want to welcome you guys to this special live edition to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries, and we are going to be discussing that. What is an, is an event that has taken place, a prophetic event that had to happen before the Lord can return? The Good Fight Radio Show. And to discuss this very important an exciting topic is none other than the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. Yeah, Chad, I'm really excited about this because there's a lot of things that have happened that had to happen. And there's some things that are in the midst of happening. You can see it happening before eyes, and you can see where it's all going. But I'm really excited about the main thing we're going to be talking about that had to happen against all odds that many people say that will never happen. And indeed, it has happened, and it set into motion all kinds of other things that are happening, as I mentioned, and continue to happen that set the stage for the Lord's return. And guys, it is it is exciting to talk about these things. We're excited because we do love talking about the topic of prophecy. And when we talk about those things, they're important. They're important for us as believers because truly, I, I from the Word of God, without a doubt, these are faith builders, Amen. understanding that the Word of God speaks prophetically, and it's not done speaking prophetically. I think that's an important distinction to make as well. Not all prophecy finished in 70 AD. And more AD. apologists need to use Bible prophecy. The <laughs> ammunition is right there to win souls, man. Amen. And and it's so funny because even with church history, you or even uh, you know Hebraic history as well, when you look at uh, some of the things that even Josephus wrote about them taking the scriptures to Alexander yeah. and saying, please don't take over Jerusalem. It is so incredible. And 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 guys, and I'm saying this, I, I, want, I want to give my own uh, partial testimony here of after coming to Christ, after I watched They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll, I came to church on uh, Sunday, I believe it was January 26th, 2009, uh, right around there, either 25th or 26th. But uh, it was right after the inauguration prayer and, and so forth. And I remember uh, you dealing with the one that Rick Warren had given. And by the way, what he's doing with For the Barack SBC Obama. right now. And I believe he's trying to break off the SBC and have his own thing, personal opinion. But uh, nonetheless, uh, everything that you said there was proven true and it's gotten only worse. But one of the things that happened is right after that, I, I was sitting right in the front on a Sunday, my first Sunday as a born-again believer, partaking of communion with the body of Christ. And I went and met with you and a couple of my other friend who had come to Christ with me at that time. And we went up, and I remember you gave me a stack of Good Fight materials, and one of them was the DVD Megiddo and uh, March to Armageddon. And the, it had a ton of really cool stuff, but the thing that stuck out to me, and I, I like to say my first favorite book of the Bible was the book of Daniel. Because that book stuck out to me. I mean, there is a reason that so many people hated the fact that you can't get around that it was written prophetically. Yeah. Because of how clear-cut it was, because the nations tells you what they are, even names them. I mean, there is so much in Daniel that I was like, wow. But to come to Christ because of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the gospel being preached, which is the power of salvation, which I heard on They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll, and then on the very next week after I come to Christ to have my faith solidified because I realized, wow, this word of God that not only tells you exactly what Jesus did for me so that I can know him and have the epinosis, that loving relationship with him Amen. where I know that he died for me and I know that he resurrected and I, I know he did it for my sins, but also to then recognize, wait a second, there are things written in this book, Joe, that it there's no there's no human being there's no get together I, I think uh, I, I'm I'm quoting Dr John Oswalt when it comes to the Book of Isaiah having many authors but he's like just put together a committee and have them try to write a story yeah and how ridiculous it would be but to see this all in time Joe I I want to give this as an encouragement for those who are watching I hope that can be the same encouragement I had as a young believer I hope that sometimes we can give you some of that as well today Amen Amen. Amen. That is the goal today. And we're going to be talking about that. And I'll see you guys in the live stream. And so while Joe uh, might be going on some scriptures to share with you guys, hopefully I can interact with 
some of you on there. We do want to have you on there. We do love that you guys come and join us during these lives. We try to get them at least once a month. And we're heading out of town next week. So that's why we're a little a week earlier. And we have moved these. So I, I know there is some business we have to take care of uh, in terms of letting you guys know. It's just some maintenance that we're doing as a ministry. One of the things that we are going to be changing is just the amount of shows that we're doing. So today we have a live show. We will still do at least one live show a month, sometimes a little more. But Pastor Joe, you are working on a number of documentaries right now. Then we are trying, and we just had a meeting last week. We are trying together as a ministry, put out at least five documentaries this next year. And we have a lot of things. We're going to New York in August. Uh, we have a youth retreat coming up. We'll and talk about before that later. the end of this year. Yeah, this year. Just this year. Yeah, this year. And yeah. so uh, we have a lot. So we are going to, not, we're not taking away the Good Fight Radio Show. It's going to be here, but we're only going to be releasing episodes on Mondays starting next week. So you'll get an episode every Monday, but you'll still get uh, other videos 5 as well. 511 News every, every still, Friday will be here. So we'll, we'll still get all that for you guys. We'll be getting that coming coming your way. But we wanted to let you guys know that. Uh, before we dig into this topic, because it is important that you guys know what's going on. But because of, honestly, the workload, we want to put a lot of effort into Yeah, we are guys. actually overworking our staff. And we praise yeah, God the, because the Patreons <laughs> and, and those of you who help step up, because uh, we could do more uh, and pray about becoming a Patreon because we've, we're have like, man, we don't have enough editors and everything else yeah. to actually get everything done we want to get done. So we have to, to get our documentaries done, we have to draw back on one of our shows. But hopefully the Lord will supply and then in time, we'll be able to do more again. Amen. But we just want to be faithful and, and good stewards with what he's given us. No, and you said it right. And I know uh, even meeting with the editors last week, you know, one of the things we said, we like, we want to get out as much information as possible. And the truth is, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. We never know, you know, with how long, just like, you know, Paul yeah. and, and, and Peter and so forth, getting beat up and go right back out. But sometime, at some point, we wouldn't be surprised if eventually gets shut down. this gets shut down. So we're going to try to do as much as we can while we have it. So we're still going to give out as much effort as we possibly can to bring forth edification in the body. That's Amen. the goal as well as bring about salvation to those who do not yet know Christ. And Joe, to start this off, I know we, the, the entire title of the episode, the prophecy that is to be fulfilled uh, that had to happen before the Lord's return, the reason why we put it that way is because we wanted to say that there is something that did need to take place that has already taken place that we're going to be talking about. Before we even get into that, Joe, why does it matter? And you already talked about it. Apologists need to go back to prophecy. Everyone's trying to, you know, oh, I can use this scientific discovery and I can add the Kalam cosmological argument and Leibniz contingency argument or whatever it may be. And don't get me wrong. I love those as well. But they're going to that, but it seems like God has a different way uh, that he wants this yeah, to be approached. The, the main way that uh, we see the Lord witnessing is by lifting up the person of Christ and uh, Bible prophecy and the, the apostles. Jesus himself, you know, uh, you know, gave the, the greatest sign he would give them would be the sign of Jonah, right? Referencing a prophecy. Uh, he referenced Daniel and the coming abomination of desolation. And by the way, uh, that kind of dovetails into what we're talking about because there's no way there could be an abomination desolation in the temple uh, and Jesus come back and destroy uh, this Antichrist figure who's ruling from Jerusalem in the temple unless, guess, who became a nation again? So, hint, hint, you know? So, it's interesting because in the scripture, uh, God himself says, and I, I think this is important, he says in Isaiah 46.10, I love this part of Isaiah, he says, I make known the end from the beginning. See, he's telling them, he's emphasizing the fact that he's the one true God. And he's stating how he could know I'm the one true God. And Chad and I were both incredible skeptics before we became Christians. Uh, we, you know, kind of came to the kingdom not kicking and screaming because the Lord gave us new hearts. But we didn't want anything to do with the God of the Bible, Christianity. Uh, didn't want to believe it was true. And wow, man, the joke was on us, man. Satan had us totally fooled. Well, when we came to Christ, both of us fell in love with biblical prophecy uh, and I realized, man, the God of the Bible is saying you can actually test him. You can check him out and realize he's the one true God because he basically smacked down, he uh, just back talks the other gods, the, the false mm -hmm. gods, the idol gods, saying you got to pick up your gods. You got to walk with them. They have 
eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. Mouths, they can't speak. And uh, he, he, he mocks their idols. The prophet Elijah says the prophets of Baal, where's Baal? Is he out relieving himself or, or taking a leak? You know, and he's God. Isaiah says he's the one true God. God says through Isaiah, I proved to you I'm the one true God because these false gods can't tell you the end from the beginning. At the end of Isaiah chapter 47, he says, he goes, you know, you, you rely on these astrologers, but they themselves who prophesy by the stars, they can't even deliver themselves from the flame and the judgment that's coming. And in that same chapter, he says this, or the chapter right before this, he says in 46.10, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. And he states that you can know them the one true God because I can tell you the end from the beginning. And Chad his case in point, his exhibit A of being the God of prophecy happens to be, I'm going to go back to you now because I'm excited about this because we're talking about a birthday, a great birthday, <laughs> all wrapped in one with regard to this prophecy. No, I, I love this, man. I, I, I'm i excited and, you know, it, it's it's interesting because it landed on Mother's Day this last uh, Sunday and we can time code these because it's a live show. So we're totally fine uh, not not dating ourselves on our shows. I know our editors back there are like, no. Oh, but, Chad's uh, <laughs> actually talking to me because sometimes I'll date us. You know? uh, but uh, but no, I I'm I was excited. But it was one of those interesting things. You you know you want to obviously uh, encourage the mothers and and so forth. But also the fact that May fourteenth this last weekend marked seventy five years, Joe. To the day, the Lord's day, man. To the day. On Sunday. And, and it, it was crazy because on of May... Of Israel becoming a birthday. Of Israel getting his Their birthday. birthday. Because on May 14th, 1948, a nation became a nation in a, a day. day. And it says a nation would be born in a day. Boom, and it happened. <laughs> and there it is. There it happened. And I thought, wow, that is so cool because we were just talking about it. And I had seen a couple of things online. And, uh, you know, they call it the diamond year, right? The 75 years yeah. is supposed to be the diamond year. But... Wow, what a diamond in the rough of the Middle East. I mean, really, Absolutely. I, when, when we look at it, and when if you just did an overview of that area and see the lushness of Israel compared to the oh, things from around topographical it, maps and aerial maps, and yeah, it's like wow, it's all desert except that greenery, Israel. <laughs> it's, and he said he'd make it like eating again. It's incredible. And so when we look at this and and we see this, and Joe, I I love it because we're talking about the God of prophecy, prophecy, and we're talking about. Isaiah 46, we're talking about a very text that is to do with God telling how you how he's different. He's not like these false yeah. gods. He's not like these gods that can't tell the end from the beginning. And by the way, guys, both Joe, myself, a number of us at Good Fight Ministries, we have read a number of the materials from all these other world religions. We've read the Bhagavad Gita. We've read the Quran. I I, I just got another version of the Quran to read this last uh, last 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 week or, yeah, or something. Yeah, I got mailed to my house. <laughs> That's true. That's where all my books get mailed. <laughs> but, uh, and, and you know, we've read the Book of Mormon, and, and there is nothing prophetic no, not about these close, books. Man. It's like, you know, in the Quran, will, we, will they win this battle? It's like a 50-50 shot, you know? It's like, yeah. come on, man. Give me a break. And when you look at it, it's just different. But even in Isaiah 46, it actually has to do with Israel itself anyways. Too. Yeah, that's the amazing thing is he talks about Israel's uh, regathering and and they'd be regathered more than once, which is amazing. In fact, it's interesting, Chad, you bring that up because in Isaiah 44, 7, he says, who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me. Since I appointed the ancient nation, since I appointed the ancient people, Israel, let them declare what is to come and what will happen. So he's stating, he's hanging his credibility and his faithfulness as the one true God on the reality that Israel's future, he's predicting it. And not only is he predicting with his omniscience what's going to happen to them, but he's going to bring it about. And no one can thwart his will that he will discipline them. They will, you know, be scattered, but they will not cease to be a nation or people before them. But then he'll bring them back into the land. In fact, I love Jeremiah 31, 35, and 36. Uh, Jeremiah, through the Lord, you know, thus saith the Lord who gives a son for light by day, who sets in order the moon and the stars by, by, uh, for light by night who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. Verse 36, only if this fixed order, the sun and the moon and the stars, the orbit of the earth around the sun, right? Only if this fixed order departed from my presence, declares the Lord, would Israel's descendants ever cease to be a people before me. So they've never ceased to be a nation or a people before him. Even though they've been out of the land, 
They've still been his people. And he states that they would not be eradicated from the earth. Of course, Satan has tried several times to destroy Israel as a nation. In fact, I did a message one time called on a Sunday called Pulling Off the First Christmas, where I show all the ways that Satan, whether it was through Haman and, and others who uh, you know, the, the, tried to seek to destroy God's people so the Messiah couldn't come through them. And even now, he seeks to destroy them because guess what? If he could destroy Israel off the face of the earth, destroy all the Jews like Hitler tried to do, the Nazis killed 6 million plus Jews. In fact, Hitler and the Nazis went into at least 20 different nations to seek the destruction of every last Jew. Uh, and guess what? They couldn't pull it off and they weren't going to pull it off because the God of the Bible says the, nation, the, the stars and the sun and the moon would cease to exist before they ceased to exist as a people. And is the sun still shining? Yeah, it is. Uh, the stars still out there? Yes, they are. Guess what? God says, guess what? I'm not done with Israel. I think this is important because he says when they'd be scattered, and Jesus said they were scattered and then he brought them back into the land, but he said they'd become one people and they had become one people because Judah in the, in the, in the south and the northern kingdom of the 10 nations along with Benjamin in the south, they reunited and became one people again. And it's quite interesting because then they'd be scattered again. Jesus said they'd, that he'd be rejected uh, by them and by the Jews, and they, they rejected him. And he said they'd be scattered throughout the nations and the times the Gentiles would take place. And, but he said they'd become a nation again, and the temple would be rebuilt. Jesus indicated that because he said be, just before he comes back, the Antichrist would sit in the temple of God, uh, the abomination of desolation, or Matthew chapter 24, verses 15 through 19. Now, it's quite interesting because there's all these prophecies about how they come back into the land. In uh, Isaiah 11, 12, it says, He will raise a banner to the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will collect the scattered of Judah from the four corners of the earth. In chapter 14, verse 2 of Isaiah, the nations will escort Israel and bring it to its homeland. I think that's fascinating because it says the nations will escort Israel and bring them back to their homeland. The nations wanted nothing to do with Israel. There were more resolutions against Israel as a people uh, uh, than any other people. Uh, and then every other resolution against other nations put together at one point in history. But guess what? Uh, before they became a nation, there was this antipathy against the Jews. Obviously, look what the Nazis had done. And nobody stood against them for some time until the United States and, of course, Great Britain and uh, others stepped in, the Allied forces. But it's quite interesting when you think about this because when this happened, uh, there was still this antipathy toward the Jews. But when six million of them were slaughtered in Nazi concentration camps and so forth, there was a sense of the world was shocked. It was a fleeting moment for the world to have a change of heart. And guess what? Just as it says in the scriptures, the nations were used to escort them into becoming a nation. And of course, the day they step foot in Israel to become a nation, there's these allied forces against them, the Arab nations and so forth, who seek their destruction. But God said that would come too. Isaiah 43, 6 says, I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. And man, I'll tell you what, I've been to Israel a number of times. We're looking forward to another Israel trip pretty soon here. And we love our Israel trips because we just have these great talks in all kinds of beautiful places and places that a lot of trips don't go. And it's quite interesting because you'll see black, you'll see Israelites that are from Cush or from Ethiopia, black Jews, soldiers, you know, that just are just faithful Israelites. You'll see them from the four corners of the earth, just like the scripture says, and you'll just be like pinching yourself saying, wow. This is exactly what the God of prophecy said would take place. And a lot of the Jews were aware of that. They were aware that, uh, that what the prophecies had said. In fact, they would celebrate Passover in exile. And there, one of the sayings among the Jews was next year in Jerusalem. That was their hope to be brought back to their homeland. But guess what? This is what's a trip, guys. When you see the Lord God prophesying these things, saying that no one's going to be able to stop and he's going to bring them to become a nation again. You have all kinds of folks uh, that would, were saying, no, that's not going to happen and now that, that can't happen and so forth. And it did happen. And by the way, you can understand why they say it would happen because, Chad, there's like a couple hundred nations or so right now. There's no nation that ceased to be a country for almost 2,000 years and became a nation again. And all these different prophecies regarding them, many tied to them, re recovering their ancient language, uh, all these different things that, and there's so many of them that we take several shows to get, get together. In fact, we're working on a, one of the videos we're working on is, is a documentary, which I think you'll love, uh, uh, on Israel and prophecy. And we're going to do that, uh, hopefully get that done, uh, get it close to done by the end of the year, and early in the next year sometime. Amen. And 
for for you guys listening to this, I I really do believe these are it is such a great faith builder for us, and I I think that some people may even come to the conclusion, oh, this is one of those times where it, it's an ad hoc kind of thing, you know, we're just going back and adding this in, and now we can say it's a fulfilled prophecy now that it's happened. But guys, I want to say this: it's not only the Jews who believe that this would happen uh, eventually, but Christian pastors throughout time, well before 1948, were saying this. In fact, some of the biggest names uh, in terms of pastors of old have actually were saying this, that this is something that that is going to happen. In fact, many people might have read, it's one of the biggest classics, Holiness by J.C. Ryle. And this is what J.C. Ryle I have, I have two quotes that I want to read for you guys from him. One is a shorter quote, one is a longer quote. This is something that J.C. Ryle, This the is before they became a nation again. Before Israel, well before Israel yeah. became a nation, actually. He said, I believe that the Jews shall ultimately be gathered again as a separate nation, restored to their own land, and then converted to the faith of Christ after going through great tribulation. And another time he wrote this, but suppose the Jews ask you, If you take all the prophecies of the Old Testament in their simple, literal meaning, suppose he asks you if you believe in a literal personal advent of Messiah to reign over the earth in glory, a literal restoration of Judah and Israel to Palestine, a literal rebuilding and restoration of Zion and Jerusalem. Suppose the unconverted Jews, a Jew, puts these questions to you. What answer are are you prepared to make? Will you dare to tell him that Old Testament prophecies of this kind are not to be taken in their plain, literal sense? Will you dare to tell him that the words Zion, Jerusalem, Jacob, Judah, Ephraim, Israel do not mean what they seem to mean, but mean the church of Christ? Will you dare to tell him that the glorious kingdom and future blessedness of Zion so often dwelt upon in prophecy mean nothing more than the gradual Christianizing of the world by missionaries and gospel preaching? Will you dare to tell them that you think it carnal to expect a literal rebuilding of Jerusalem, carnal to expect a literal coming of Messiah to reign? Oh, reader, if you are a man of this mind, take care what you are doing. I say again, take care. Awesome. (laughs) I love that quote. But that's not the only one. Charles Spurgeon uh, at the Church of Christ where he preached, delivered on June 3rd, 1855. Remember, May 14th, 1948. Yeah. This is June 3rd, 1855 at New uh, Park Street Chapel in Southward. Yeah, almost the, 100 years earlier, yeah. <laughs> the hour is approaching when the tribes shall go up to their country, when Judea, so long a howling wilderness, shall once more blossom like the rose, when... If the temple itself be not restored, yet on Zion's hill shall be raised some Christian building where the chants of solemn praise shall be heard as erst of the old psalms of David were sung in the tabernacle. I think we do not attach sufficient importance to the restoration of the Jews. We do not think enough about it. But certainly, if there is anything promised in the Bible, it is this. I imagine that you cannot read the Bible without cl- seeing clearly over and that over there <laughs> is to be an actual restoration of the children of Israel. For when the Jews are restored, the fullness of the Gentiles shall be gathered in. And as soon as they return, then Jesus will come upon Mount Zion with his ancients gloriously. Uh, and, and he says, Christ shall rule with universal sway and so forth. But Joe, these are not ad hoc. Well, look at this prophecy. We... We can look back and, and figure it out. And, no. You know, we Christians can, were looking forward to it to happen. Boom. They were looking there it forward is. to it. And they knew this was going to happen. And it, I thought, man, I love reading those quotes because they're so powerful. Because it is one thing for us to be sitting here 75 years later and be like, well, look, we see the Bible's true. Doesn't mean it any less powerful. But in the sense that we are looking at people, pastors, that were just reading the scripture yeah. before it happened, they're like, look, Precious. Joe, it happened. And I love what J.C. Ryle's attacking there. Oh, yeah. That's a, yeah. That's amazing, too, <laughs> which we'll get into the next thing, uh, which and, and probably should go back to that. Uh, but I'll just say one thing about this yeah. is uh, I, I've just I've loved to read a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, old bro- older brethren that have passed on and just a lot of good nuggets of wisdom and encouragement. And and I remember reading a book. I, it's one of the, my favorite books in the past by a guy named Alexander Reese called The Approaching Advent of Christ. And it's on the second coming of Christ, uh, the blessed hope of the Lord. 
we love the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back. We focus on our Lord and Savior all the time, and our fellowship's called Blessed Hope Chapel, you know? And we make a big deal about a second coming because the New Testament does, you know? Amen. Uh, and also the Old Testament talks about his comings, you know? So it's interesting because when I was reading that book, Alexander Reese, I think he wrote that in like 1927. And in that book, he talks about how, you know, Israel's going to have to become a nation again because that's what the prophecies say, and it's just it's going to have to take place. And then I looked, I thought, man, when did he die, you know? He actually died before Israel became a nation again, but sure he wasn't mm. bummed. He's in the presence of the Lord, right? But <laughs> yeah. you got to see it from a from a from up from a the sky view, right? So it's amazing, Chad, when you think about that. But yeah, Chad, you're right because it's interesting. Ryle right there appears to be warning against those who espoused a heresy we call and it's called replacement theology that the church has replaced Israel and God's done with Israel that they're Christ killers and He wants nothing to do with them and they're just a blot in history now and that were the new Israel and God's done. And that's a that's a that's that's a lie. That is a lie. And the truth is, is when you read the scriptures, I, they're foreign to them. This idea, yeah. And it is it is interesting as we get closer and closer to the Lord's return that we do see more of it. You do you are seeing a more prevalent, I guess you would say, a doctrine that has come into the church that Israel is it has God has nothing to do with that. And we're gonna. Do a little bit of an apologetic on some of these uh, some of these things they might say a little bit later. But Joe, when I see replacement theology becoming more and more popular as it yeah. is, and I it, it breaks my heart because these are supposed to be Christians. And and guys, I I would warn you, you know, for those who study maybe Martin Luther and and some others, you might see some pretty heinous things written about the Jews yeah. from the likes of a Martin Luther and so forth. And you know whether it's Catholics or whether uh, you know just you know, Chileism as it is with a number of different teachers, it just seems like it's something that I am seeing more, it's becoming more and more common. And what they're trying to do, I'm saying this from, you know, the Twitter sphere, sadly enough, that we sometimes are engage in. And it's a mockery of those who, now we're, we are obviously not dispensational in the sense, uh, you know, when you're reading the scriptures as a hyper dispensational that, you know, and, and so forth, or a mid-acts dispensation. We'll, and we'll do a, a series on that but progressively dispensational in that God is not done with Israel. Yeah, we're historical, post-trib, premillennialists who also believe that God's promises for Israel are vouchsafed and secure and being fulfilled. And being fulfilled, exactly right. And that's what I love about this, Joe, that I know we're about halfway through this episode, but I I do want us to get in. It goes quick. I love the lives of you guys because even while Joe's talking, I get to engage with you guys on there. So praise the Lord. Uh, We got some great mods there. It looks like Tony... Uh, is out in Tennessee, but he's helping out. And I see Austin and Courtney out there as well. So thank you guys for helping me out on there when I'm uh, talking or discussing things with Joe. But but Joe, this is a this is a problem, and I think it's something that we do need to speak to because replacement theology is getting more popular. And sadly enough, guys that I had watched maybe even before, uh, Rick Wiles is someone that comes to my mind from True News, that their replacement theology went from replacement theology to outright just hating Jewish people yeah, and literally with, with some of them yeah and and I'm like wow and 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 this is what they do it's this little bait and switch that they play is now if you call out literal anti-semitism where there actually is anti-semitism then you're just one of those crazy people that just calls out everything as anti-semite and that's not the case at all there are plenty of there's some real anti-semitism out there there is yeah. real yeah absolutely I mean, try to do do try to have a discussion with Muslims I, I mean, it's just true, yeah. and and think that they don't have a hatred, and and what they think about the Holocaust, and the fact that you have Christians now making entire videos about the Holocaust being exaggerated and not real, yeah. and all of these, and it's just, it's sick and it's disgusting, and I do find that to be what the Bible says actually happened too. But yeah, you know, it's funny you end with that, Chad, because I was thinking that's actually it's prophetic uh, when you say that's kind of what the Bible actually says would happen that there be anti-Semitism. We know that all that Christians would be hated around the world by all the nations, Matthew twenty four, verses eight through ten. And we know that uh they that Satan has for years tried to eradicate uh the Jews and that God has a plan to bring them back to himself in the end. And you can't read the scriptures and ignore that. In fact, Satan is into the counterfeit kingdom and he always wants to counterfeit what God's doing. In fact, he wanted to take God's place in heaven. Boom, man. Nope. Get smacked down. He has access now, but he can only accuse the brethren. Uh, one day during the tribulation period, the midweek, he'll be thrown down and not be able to even accuse the brethren anymore. We'll have great vengeance. But it's kind of interesting because when you look at the scriptures, uh, he can't rule from heaven now. 
So the best thing you do is roll from the Temple Mount. So if you go to the Temple Mount today on the Jewish Temple Mount, Jews don't even go up there because you have the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the Golden Dome and so forth. And you have the saints throughout uh, stating that Allah is God and, and he has no son. That's the doctrine of Antichrist, man. It's the wrong mm -hmm. God. And it denies the father, the true father and son relationship with John says, whoever denies the father and son is Antichrist. And that's where the Antichrist gets to sit in this temple of God, show himself that he is God. And for a long time, Chad, and we know, uh, and many of you know in the audience, if you know the history of Islam, uh, they long ago have said, well, it was really, you know, not Isaac that Abraham was going to sacrifice. It was Esau. And really the promise is through him, you know, and so forth. And they don't even have a, a savior, Messiah, the son of God. And so everything gets inverted. Well, guess what? There's going to be a counterfeit kingdom in the end, and the Antichrist claim to be God. And right now, there's a counterfeit Israel, and it's those claim to be that were God's Israel. Now, we're, we're the sole chosen people, and God's done with the nation of Israel. And that's another part of that counterfeit kingdom that we warn so much about. And it's interesting, Paul does address this in the third chapter of the book of Romans. Paul asks a question. He says, if some did not believe... Uh, is, will their unbelief nullify the faithfulness of God? It will not nullify the faithfulness of God is the way he puts it. Will it? Uh, because they're saying, well, if Israel isn't belief, so God's promise to them are null and void now. And and Paul says, if some did not believe, their unbelief will not will it nullify the faithfulness of God? Will it? He says. And of course, a lot of the replacement theologians, they'll say, yes, it does. But guess what Paul says? Paul answers, may it never be. Rather let God be found to be true and let every man be found to be a liar. God has a promise to Israel that they'd become a nation again, that he was not done with them. And in Romans 11, Paul returns to this thought and he says mm. something very interesting. He says, I say, has God, uh, has God rejected his people? Oh, I'm sorry, has God not rejected his people? And he's basically asking that as a question. And people say, the replacement theologians, yes, he did. God says, no, he did not. In fact, it's interesting, Paul goes on to say, may it never be in Romans 11. And then he writes this, which is a rebuke about a chosen person mentality that the Gentile church will get, thinking that it's all about us now, and God's done with Israel. What a strong warning. If you're in the replacement camp, you know, thinking that you've replaced Israel and God's done with them, I really encourage you to sincerely listen to what the Apostle Paul writes here, because he's after your heart, so you won't be deceived by this counterfeit kingdom on uh, this counterfeit lie he says but if some and this is beginning at verse 17 in romans 11 if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive that's the gentile believers were grafted in among them and became partakers with them of the rich root of the olive tree do not be arrogant toward the branches don't be arrogant toward the jews the israelites that were cut off but if you are arrogant if you're an arrogant person and think it's all about you, you're in now and God's done with them. Remember that it's not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. You will say then branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. He says, quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief. When Jesus came, uh, those who were in the covenant and rejected him, they were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand, he says, by your faith. You're not saved by your works. You're standing by your faith. You should be grateful for God's grace. He says, do not be conceited, but fear. In other words, to Think that, hey, man, I'm grafted in. They're done. God wants nothing to do with them ever again. Uh, and guess what, man? I'm, I'm the chosen person to have that mentality. He says he calls that arrogance twice. He calls it conceited once. He says, don't be conceited, but fear. Then he gives a warning, which many of, most people that are replaced with theology don't agree with this warning, by the way. He gives a warning that they too could be cut off. But many of them are Reconstructionists. Many of them are Calvinists that are saying God's done with Israel. And they're like, I'm chosen. And they become the frozen chosen. I'm frozen in the body of Christ. I could never be cut off. Well, guess what he says? Don't be conceited about your position. He says, fear. You need to fear God concerning your position. For if God did not spare the natural branches, the Jews, he will not spare you either. In other words, guess what? You could be cut off as well. Well, what are you saying? Well, it's what Paul's saying. Look at verse 22. Behold, then the kindness and severity of God to those who fell severity, but to you God's kindness, if you continue in his kindness and he goes on to say otherwise you too are also will be cut off and then he goes on to say and they also this is uh, this is important they also if they do not continue in their unbelief will be grafted in for god is able to graft them in again they could be restored so the lord clearly states that those who are have been grafted in are in christ now 
that you could be cut off because of your unbelief. You can't be conceited about your position in Christ. You need to have a fear before God and say, man, thank you, God, so much for saving me. And you need to have a great attitude toward the Jews and pray for them because he says, and they also, if they do not continue their unbelief, will be grafted in again. For God is able to graft them in again. Verse 24, for if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and were grafted in contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more, I mean, if you're saved as a Gentile, how much more can these, or will these, he says, will these, who are the natural branches of the Jews, be grafted into their own olive tree again? Then listen to what he says in verse 25. And this seals the deal, the next few verses. For I do not want you to be, uh, brethren, he says, for I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed or ignorant, as the King James says, of this mystery. And so many people are ignorant or uninformed of this mystery. To, uh, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel. In fact, all of Israel didn't believe. Paul is one of the Israelites that did believe. It's a partial hardening that's happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Until the last Gentile is saved, there's a partial hardening. Then listen to what he says in verse 26. And so, listen to this, and so all Israel will be saved just as is written. Then he goes on to talk about the deliverer will come out of Zion the coming of the Messiah. So guess what? He says really clearly, when he talks about all Israel being saved, he's obviously contrasting unbelieving Israel who the partially has been hardened and many of them had been cut off with the arrogant Gentiles saying, I'm the chosen, we're the chosen people now. God's done with them. Say, no, uh uh-uh. He's not done with them. You too could be cut off. But guess what? He's able to graft them back in again. He will graft them back in again. And guess what? All Israel will be saved and the deliverer will come on come from Zion. So Chad, the scriptures actually warn very strongly against, uh, uh, it's interesting because some of the false doctrines that are out there, the scriptures actually address them and prophetically warn against them. And Paul's letting us know what was already probably being stirred up by the enemy against Israel and what was going to happen. And here we are dealing with scripture that just, bam, hits the target right where it needs to be hit. Amen. And this is a, this is, it's so interesting because we're talking about Romans there and it is so sad to me how Romans is so misinterpreted, specifically 9 through 11. Yeah. And to miss this part in the whole understanding of Romans as a book from chapter 1 then to chapter 2. And, and, and as you go through Romans and you see that people just, I mean, it's worse than misapply. It's, it's not even applying certain scriptures. And it, it does break my heart to see that and to not see the beautiful context of what Paul is talking about. And some of the glorious, I mean, the fact that he is talking about the deliverer coming out of Zion, the fact that there is going to be a fountain of cleansing that op- opens up, that the fact that Zechariah 12, 10 makes it very clear that they will see me. Yeah, I'm going to get into that in a little bit. They pierce. And all, all, of, yeah. all of that, it, it it does break my heart that they don't see it. And, and it hurts my heart for those who engage in uh, replacement theology, especially, I love that, those quotes from, J.C. Ryle, it's like, well, what would you say to them? What would yeah. you say to someone? Oh, this is literal, this is real, but this is not. Yeah, it's missing a huge miracle, Chad. It's missing <laughs> a huge prophetic evidence that we can use to win believers. So it breaks my heart, not only for those who are deceived, please wake up, we plead with you, look at what the scriptures say. Don't be arrogant toward Israel. But you know what? It breaks our hearts toward all the non-believers and the Jews that could be being won to Christ by Christians who are saying, hey, look what happened in 1948. Look what the Lord said would happen, May 14th. In fact, Chad, twice in Jeremiah, not once, twice in Jeremiah, the Lord says the Jews will look back and they'll say, wow, you're gathering us back into the land, into the Holy Land, is a bigger miracle than what you did in leaving and in, in delivering us from the captivity of Egypt when we were under Pharaoh's power through Moses. There'll be a greater, twice it says it'll be a greater miracle. And by the way, there were a few million Jews, tops, delivered from Egypt. Uh, there's about 7 million, over twice that many Jews in Israel since May 14th, 1948. It's a bigger miracle, and it's continuing to happen. Wow. And it, and we still wait for their spiritual rebirth, which we'll talk about pretty soon, too. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great uh, a great way to segue into this next part, because we do want to talk about those that would come forth and say, but look, you're saying that this prophecy has been fulfilled, and Israel becomes a nation. But in their understanding of it, they're saying, look, Israel becomes a nation, and they're saved. And so if they're a nation right now, then to be a nation that is actually fulfilled by prophecy is the fact that they are actually supposed to be saved. So the Israelites there aren't the Israelites that's talking about in the Bible because the Israelites there, starting in May 14, 1948, starting on May 14, 1948, 
1948. These are non-believing Jews. So how can you say this prophecy has been fulfilled if they're not actually believing? Well, first of all, they're not all unbelieving Jews. That's a fact. I've spoken at several churches We've been there. <laughs> in Israel as a guest speaker at a number of churches I've spoken there. Uh, and there's probably, I don't know, 100 or so Messianic fellowships or more there right now. A lot of Jewish believers there. Uh, but, however, replacement theologians would say, oh, you know, well, this isn't really anything because they're not believing. Well, guess what? Well, if the, if the prophecies, you know, you're indicating, it says that they'll be saved and they'll know God at that time. And I'm like, no, you're not paying really close attention to biblical prophecy. And a lot of these guys don't actually look at biblical prophecy because they're so caught up in, hey, we're the chosen people and God's done with Israel, uh, that they don't look close enough because the scriptures are very clear, not only indicates, but expresses clearly that they would go into the land in a state of unbelief before they were spiritually converted. I think that's very, very uh, clear in a, a number of passages. I think uh, perhaps one of the clearest passages is in Zechariah, where, uh, and by the way, I think it's very, very important to understand that we're looking at end-time prophecies now when we t talk about their conversion, and there's a number of prophecies. And when I said, and we said at the beginning of the show, we, we let you guys know that the birthday, this prophecy that had to take place, which was improbable against all odds, before Jesus could come back, which would be Israel becoming a nation. And it would definitely have to take place because he destroys the Antichrist who sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. There can't be a temple of God in Israel without Israel being regathered. And plus, when Christ comes back, it talks about him putting his feet on the Mount of Olives and saving the nation of Israel who's in the land at the time. So Israel would have to become a nation again. But it also sets in motion a bunch of other prophecies uh, and that would be the alliance of Arabic nations to the east of them, against them, and then eventually the world. In Psalm 83, you see, just read Psalm 83 when you get time. It's an incredible prophecy about the nations that will be aligned against Israel seeking to destroy her. And you just look at the rhetoric coming from Iran, who's been seeking to get a nuke for some years now about wiping Israel off the face of the earth. And you read that prophecy. Uh, you read uh, also in Ezekiel, which I think is really amazing too, uh, end time prophecies about an alliance of Arab nations and, and other nations from the north in 38, 39, and 40. You read uh, Zechariah chapter 12, Chad, you know the scriptures warn that the nations of the world in Zechariah 14, all the nations of the world will come against Israel. And it says the nations will surround her and that hasn't happened yet. So anybody that's a full-blown preterist or a preterist and says, oh, these prophecies have been fulfilled, you cannot read to be honest with Zechariah 12 and Zechariah 14 and say these things have already AD. happened or 780 or whatever. It's never happened. It's it's yet to happen. But it says that the nations would be, they'd be concerned about even touching Jerusalem because she'd be a cup of trembling, a rock of offense, and whoever would touch her would be severely harmed. And it shows in Zechariah 14, those who mess with Israel in the end, they'll be standing on their feet and their eyes will be consumed. Their tongues be consumed while they're standing up. That's something that that has not happened yet. And by the way, Chad, Israel comes to the land. God saves her and she's in a state of unbelief. How do we know that? Because in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, a little bit later, we read, I think this is so amazing. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace uh, and the cries for mercy so that when they look to me, they'll look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one who mourns for his only son. And then the very next verse, a couple verses later in chapter 13, verse 1. On that day, there will be a fountain open to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. So clearly, their cleansing takes place when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. They recognize the one that they have pierced. And we see that in Ezekiel as well. In Ezekiel 36, we read in verse uh, 25, for I will take you from among the nations and gather you from all the lands to bring you into your own land. And that's a blow of mine. They didn't just become a nation again, but from all these lands they were scattered on. It's never happened to a nation like this. They'll be brought back, and they were. But notice he says he'll bring them back. Then what's going to happen after that? Verse 24, right after that, he says, Then, after they're back in the land, then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Thus saith the Lord, you guys. He's going to bring them back in a state of unbelief. And then after that, he will they'll be born again. So, And that's, we see that in Zechariah 12. We see that there. We see that in Ezekiel a little bit later, Chad. We don't have time to go through the prophecy, but the Valley of Dry Bones. And you kind of see, you know, it's put together incrementally, right? Yeah. And then, then breath is breathed in them. That's a picture of the Spirit of God coming in that regathered when they're gathered in the land. There's so many pictures of this. And then also we see this in 
Romans 11, I left off basically around verse 24, 25. But if I would have kept reading, we read, For I do not want you to be, brethren, to be uninformed about this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation. Replacement theologians, watch out, that a partial hardness happened to Israel until the fullest of the Gentiles has come in. But this, this is why I left off. And then, so all Israel will be saved just as it is written. Then this is, I, I mentioned this verse, but I want to read it to you. The deliverer will come from Zion. They will remove ungodly, and he will remove ungodliness from Jacob. That's the spiritual rebirth again. We're seeing it in Ezekiel. Uh, we're seeing it in, in, in Jeremiah. Uh, we're seeing it here in Zechariah. We see it in Romans here. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is the, my covenant with them. When I take away their sins, the prediction of the timing is absolutely perfect. In fact, Jesus gave us the same timing. He said to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, went just before he was crucified, who slays the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I would have gathered together a hen gathers together her chicks, but you were unwilling. He says, your house is being left to you desolate. You know, you're going to be wiped out. They're going to hem you in and you're going to be taken through to the nations. But then, he, you know what he said also? He, in chapter 23, he says, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that's why God uses uh, the tribulation to bring Israel to their knees, to bring the Jews to their knees through the tribulation period. Uh, they can no longer rely on the nations for power, uh, for protection. Uh, the, the remnant runs into the wilderness. They're crying out for Yahweh to save them, have mercy on us. Then Yahweh appears. They're in unbelief. <laughs> and then Yahweh appears and they see it's Yahweh's Jesus. They see the one they pierced. Because Revelation 1-7 says, Behold, he comes with the clouds and every eye shall see him. And they also, which pierced him, and all kings of the earth shall wail. The whole world's going to wail because of because they're being battle array fighting against him, and he's going to wipe out the nations, and Israel is going to be saved. So, Chad, this whole thing—that's it's a—it's a straw man argument. Oh well, you know they have to be converted before they get brought back in land, and that's never happened. And well, you know what? You got it all backwards. The scriptures don't say that. You know, and some certainly are converted, and then they do go back to land. So that actually fits too, to a degree. But, and Chad, I think one of the most awesome pictures, which we don't have a, time, a lot of time to get into, uh, but is Joseph being rejected his brother's typological prophecy, which Chad and I, it's among our favorite, that's, we love typology, but Joseph is a picture of Jesus. He's rejected by his 11 brothers, right? And they represent, the, along with Joseph, the 12 tribes of Israel, the sons of Jacob, and the 12 tribes of Israel come from those brothers of Joseph. They're rejected, even as Jesus was rejected by his brethren, their descendants. Israel. Uh, Judah says, let's betray him with money and get some money out of this. Judah's the Hebrew name for Judas. Judas betrays Jesus. Uh, he's rejected and he's, you know, there's so many pictures there, but I'll just cut right to the chase. Is he gives bread to the entire world because God uses Joseph miraculously to feed the Gentile world by giving him dreams and telling Pharaoh through Joseph, this is how you're going to be have seven years of famine. You're going to have uh, first you're going to have seven years of plenty. Save up. There's going to be seven years of famine. Happened. Guess what? The world's being fed. What happened in Egypt? Man, they've got all this extra food because of Joseph at the right hand of Pharaoh. But guess what? Uh, just as Jesus went to the right hand of the Father and we partake of him in, as Gentile nations, as the bread of life, we celebrate the bread every uh, Sunday morning, man, Lord's Day, at least in our fellowship and thousands of other fellowships celebrate what Jesus, tens of thousands of fellowships, what he did on the cross for us. But one day, uh, even as Joseph's brothers came back to Egypt crying out for bread and then he revealed himself to them and they saw the one they pierced and there was weeping. Benjamin was weeping. Joseph was weeping. Uh, it's a picture of what's going to happen at the very end when Jesus returns. So these are all beautiful prophecies that are rejected by the... I mean, how sad to be involved in replacement theology, not have a heart for what God's doing in Israel, oh, missing yeah. that great miracle, witnessing that what just burns in our hearts the God of prophecy has done and witness and losing the opportunity to witness the Jews to bring them to Christ, which we've used these pictures to bring people to Christ. They're so powerful in these prophecies. That's quite sad, but uh, we can rejoice in these things and pray for those who are involved in replacement theology that God would wake them up so they would understand you don't want to be on the enemy's side and be standing against Israel and standing against the Muslims at the end of days. Yeah, and I just saw this comment Jonah, and, it, and it, exactly what you said, and it's something I saw early on in my walk with Christ. I, I 
So that's the people that were struggling and they were really involved in a lot of what is known as the truther movement. And someone actually wrote this and I thought, wow, that's so funny because I was thinking it said much of today's truth movement will take you down a Jew hating rabbit hole. Yeah. And I saw that over and over again. And I remember there was a, a group of, of guys that were meeting together and they were having a Bible study. But then when I would talk to them, so much of the Bible study when they would come out would be on some new conspiracy that had nothing to do with the Bible and nothing to do with anything else, governmental, some something along those lines. But in terms of actually being excited about the scripture, I wasn't seeing that. And not long into that, all of those guys ended up walking away at some point from the faith, yeah. every single one of them. And the first thing they did is they were getting so enamored with this away from the word of God, and they ended up down this rabbit trail that did lead them. I'm not saying every person that has a problem with Israel, that means they're going to you know, turn away from the faith and forfeit their salvation. But it was true in that group that that was the methodology. That's what happened. And guys, a number of some of the more popular conspiratorial in terms of pushing stuff that's not actually true or some things that might be are a number of these guys that are involved in what is known as the Black Hebrew Israelites. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Larry Johnson, who has shared a number of good fight things, by the way. How about replacement theology? Uh, and yeah, exactly. Now you're talking about ethnic replacement theology. Yeah. And and you have these groups of these guys that maybe even point out some stuff, maybe even point out some stuff that is true. Hey, look, they're trying to feminize men and they're trying to do this. But you're like, yeah, we should stand up against that. And next thing you know, you're sharing videos from these guys not knowing, wait a second, these guys have, are wrapped up in another conspiracy yeah. that is not true to scripture and it's a heartbreaking thing and it, and it really does hurt and guys uh, so many of the attacks in new york come from these group going against white jews who they call esau they don't believe they can be saved i mean we had guys going out and sharing right here locally at, in uh, venice california and they were casting lots saying guess which one of these guys is going to be my slave yeah. these little redneck esau's like no yeah. joke yeah. that's what they say look at your neck it burns and, and so forth and it's really sad. So it's from multiple angles, and that's that's biblical. And that's why, Joe, and you mentioned this already, to, to think from the replacement theology, uh, whether it's the preterist or whatever it is, oh, man, all this actually was fulfilled in 70 A.D. Yeah, so To ridiculous. read those prophecies, and it bothers me so much because— the same thing happens in the book of Genesis. Oh, Noah was just a local flood. Uh, it, it's just this yeah. localized thing. It minimizes prophecy to like this little small yeah. area. Oh, when it says every nation, you don't really understand that because it's just talking about a couple of neighboring nations. It's just talking about Rome and maybe maybe even some of the Middle Easterns that they hired as well to yeah. take down. Um, take down. Yeah, there's uh, there's so many ways to how yeah. you could destroy preterism. The idea that 780 fulfilled it, and the second coming of Christ was really just the Roman coming in and destroying Israel. It's like really that's the that that fulfilled Jesus' return in Matthew chapter 24 and so forth. Which it's there's so many ways to overthrow that and show that as being you know patently you know absurd and false. And one way is just to say, well, guess what? Jesus told the Jews. Remember, we mentioned this earlier. You won't see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, until you're inviting me back. So we're to believe that in 70 AD, where the Jews say, blessed be the coming of the Lord, looking for Jesus' return, and then, and then Jesus just destroyed them through the Romans? That makes absolutely no sense, because it's all backwards, because when they cry out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, it is an invitation for Jesus to, that, hey, we're ready, and they've been broken, the Jews have been broken, they've been humbled, and they're crying out to God. Chad, that passage also, if I continue reading in Romans eleven twenty eight, and by the way, that blessed my heart, I'm sure it blessed Chad's heart to see the brother that came out of the truther movement and realized that God is not done with Israel and that your eyes have been opened. Praise God for you, and, and we just love to see people come to the light of God's truth and just be set free. And he goes on to say in Romans 11, verse 28, from the standpoint of the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. So yeah, in regard to the gospel, yeah, there's Jews. You say, well, there's so many Jews that are anti-Christ and against what Christians are doing. Yeah, well, go through the book of Acts and see what happened to Peter and what happened to Paul. But look how Paul writes here. He recognizes the Joseph picture, that Joseph's brothers rejected him, but there one day would be a reconciliation. And just as Jesus was rejected, he will be reconciled with the nation of Israel and the Jews. And, and he says... And there, and I've been in Israel, man. I had a guy pick up a big old rock along with other, a lot of other Jews trying to stone me to death. They're on Ben Yehuda Street, you know, because I was witnessing and nearly converting one of their, uh, these were Orthodox Jews, anti-missionary Jews, you know. And I was with another brother who I met at a uh, Christian bookstore, actually worked there. He goes, you're going to go witness on Ben Yehuda Street? Can I go with you? Yeah. I said, let's go, man. <laughs> and we were making some headway. 
And they followed us and followed us. And I've told that story before, but uh, we lost them by going to the Muslim territory because they stopped like they hit a big old wall because they weren't going to go there and we were safe in the Muslim territory. So, so ironic, you know. <laughs> but it's interesting because, Chad, uh, he says they were, they're enemies for your sake, but from the standpoint of God's choice, they, meaning Israel, are beloved for the sake of the fathers. And the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. Irrevocable. And uh, I always want to say irrevocable when I see irrevocable. Yeah, me too. Uh, for just as you once were disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy because of their disobedience, so these also now have been disobedient. And because of the mercy shown to you, they, uh, that they also may be shown mercy. For God has shut up all in disobedience so that, they may show, that, so that he may show mercy to all. That's God's heart. He wants to save all. Uh, and it's, it's awesome. I, I love that, Joe. But I, I do think it'd be really cool to finish this up on, on an awesome story, a fulfilled prophecy that you got to be a part of, which is kind of interesting. And we have a, a wonderful brother, and Lord willing, I can't wait to see him in a couple months, uh, Ted Walker out in Israel. And you guys actually took part in something that is very interesting. And I, man, I wish we had that picture, but maybe we'll have to get that soon enough. I'm probably glad we don't so we can save it for the... Uh Documentary. Documentary. Okay. You know? All right. But so, you know, so I, tell I, that story. Some of you are like, man, I want to. And a lot of people want to yeah. like, I want to go to Israel with you guys. And now I just told that story about almost getting stoned to death, right? Well, <laughs> thankfully, some of the Jews that were with this Jewish guy that wanted to stone us stopped him. That was that was probably wise on their part too. I had to ace up the hole, which I won't mention. Uh, but it's interesting because it's interesting when you look at this scripture and th- listen to what it says in Isaiah forty nine twenty two. This is what the Lord said. Listen carefully, I will lift up my hand to the Gentile nations and set up my banner to the peoples. And they will bring your sons in the fold of their garments and your daughters will be carried on their shoulders. So it says that, and I mentioned a scripture earlier that said God will use the nations to bring Israel back into become a nation, which is exactly what happened. Which, what God meant for evil, Joseph said, or what you guys meant for evil, God meant for good. That's Isaiah or Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. What you guys meant for evil to his brothers, God meant for good. And what Satan meant for evil through the Holocaust, God turned that for the good because it was through the mourning of the, of the world saying, what did we let happen where they allowed Israel to become a nation? Wouldn't have happened under any other circumstances because God's working with the free will of all kinds of people. He used that to affect their wills uh, through his sovereignty. So Chad, it says that God would use the Gentiles bring them back and it says that they'll carry your daughters on their shoulders so I'm in where was it uh, I'm in one of the ports in Israel and uh, I think we're in Haifa and then we're on a big old ship and all these Jews were being brought back by Gentiles and there are all these Jews from Russia they speak most of them are speaking uh, some of them speak Hebrew of course but it's interesting and we're meeting them greeting them and Ted goes hey you want to go on one of these ships you know I'm just like and I'd spoken at a number of places. I was like, you know what? Uh, to Messianic Jewish congregations. I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And are you kidding? <laughs> I get on there. I'm meeting all these, these non-believing Jews coming back in unbelief. And uh, I started to share Isaiah 53 with them. And hey, look, this is what the, God says he'd bring you back. He says he'd use us Gentiles to bring you back to the land. But you know what else he said? And I share Isaiah 53. He also says that the Messiah, Lord Jesus Christ, uh, he, he, he would come and he would die for your sins and you could be saved. So Ted and I shared the gospel with them. Uh, we put them on our shoulders as Ted shared Isaiah 49, 22 and took pictures of their little kids on our shoulders and so forth. And it was such a beautiful story. But the end of that story gets even better because Ted uh, has been one of the pro-life leaders in Israel for years. Him and Linda Walker doing a lot of the pioneer work for the pro-life movement in with different offices through the years. And, and one of uh, the people that worked with them she recognized Ted and says, wait a minute. We met you and this other guy on a ship when we got when we came from Russia. And we weren't believers. And you guys shared the gospel with us. And she whipped out a picture and said, look, this is me on, I forget whose shoulders that one was on, but she here's a picture of us on your shoulders and so forth. And I thought, wow, you know, just to see prophecy fulfilled in, <laughs> in the context of salvation and, and Chad, yeah. that, that these things would happen could only be God because, again, there's hundreds of prophecies tied to Israel becoming a nation again. So you can multiply that prophecy by 100, and the odds are basically zilch unless you have a God 
Who is God of Abraham, God, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and who is not done with Israel, who rules the heavens and the earth and is the king of the universe? And we certainly do. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. Put your faith in him for eternal life. Amen. And and we, we want to encourage you guys in that because it is so important. And I, and I love it. We've gone through so many scriptures here uh, today. And one that obviously was Zechariah 12. And Zechariah 12, 10 has been my favorite verse for a long time uh, since I first since I first read it. And I remember reading it and just being impacted by it, but then getting the context. And the same thing happened with Isaiah 53. When you read Isaiah 53 and you really see it, a near and far fulfillment uh, in Isaiah 53 of the near fulfillment of Jesus Christ dying, even though near was 700 years later, but them dying, but also their reaction to looking upon him yeah. whom they've pierced, because that reaction is an end times prophecy of the fact that they will look on him, that they will look at him and say, oh, wasn't he smitten of God? We thought he was cursed. But then now when they're looking on yeah. him, the same one promised in Zechariah, the same promises that, guess what? Paul talks about in Romans 11, you already quoted, that they're going to look on him, the one that they've pierced, and they're going to grieve bitterly because they're going to recognize this one they thought was of God, that he was pierced for our transgressions, that he was bruised for our iniquities. All the sin that we committed, it was placed upon him. Amen. And, and that is when they come to know him. And it's a beautiful thing. And to throw that aside, not realizing the the far fulfillment that yeah. is going to, still yet to be taken yeah. to take place I think it's heartbreaking. And Joe, man, I totally forgot to play this, but we're going to play it anyways uh, because we have but something coming up. before you play up. it, yes, just one, let's take yeah. 12 seconds. No, no, no problem. Be above me in my home office is just to the right a little bit. Oh. is something I bought at Israel. I've, you've seen it. It's just this this really cool, I don't know how to describe it, a piece of art that's from a mold, I guess. And it's Joseph and all of his brothers, and he reveals himself to them, all clinging to him and, and just in tears and it's just so powerful. And I bought that when I was in Israel because I was like, that's so arresting. And and the, this really enriches your faith. God's promises Israel shows his faithfulness. More than 12 seconds now, because I got to get, God, God gives more grace, right? Uh, and here's more grace. His faithfulness shows that he's faithful to his promises. And that means he's faithful to you. If you put your trust in him and you're abiding in Christ, he promises never to leave you or forsake you and to continue the great work that he's begun in you. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. I want to thank you guys for joining us as well, Joe. As Joe mentioned earlier as well, the reason why we're allowed to, we're able to do uh, we're allowed to do this is because we follow Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. But uh, the reason we're able to do all this is because God has moved on so many people's hearts and they've partnered alongside the ministry, whether it's through helping out this way or also through our Patreon page as well. So you guys can check us out at patreon.com slash good fight for anyone who wants to help out more. But guys, thank you so much for joining us on this live stream. We love you guys. you guys. Praise God for you. You've been listening to The Good Fight Radio Show with pastor and author Joe Schimmel and host Chad Davidson discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how they relate to family, culture, and the church. To learn more about Good Fight Ministries, visit us online at goodfight.org. Join our growing social media family and consider partnering with us at patreon.com slash goodfight.